From coast to coast across America, it's the U.S. Property Podcast with the latest real estate news, interviews, and market trends. And welcome back to the U.S. Property Podcast from coast to coast across America with the latest real estate property news, trends, and predictions. And of course, available on iHeartRadio this morning, Spotify and Apple, and wherever you get your podcast from. Well, this morning we are headed into Philadelphia and we are catching up with the principal, Gene Whipple. And Gene is from the Gene Whipple team. And a very good morning, Gene. Welcome to the US Property Podcast Breakfast this morning. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And you guys are known as the Philly Home Girls. How did that come about? What made you want to brand uh, yourself as the Philly Home Girls? So this happened in 2010, actually. And do you remember a platform called Tumblr, T-U-M-B-L-R? I guess it still exists, but I was trying to figure out what my Tumblr was going to be. And that's what I picked. And it ended up being really catchy. People remember it. Yeah, it's very, very catchy, no doubt about it, the Philly Home Girls. So, Jean, you're the, the principal there, been working in real estate for how long? Over 20 years. I got my license in 2002. Wow. Okay. So you've seen uh, the market change quite dramatically. And you were telling me off air that you've been doing a little bit of uh, traveling last year in 2023, 10 different countries. Yeah, 10 different countries in one year. I usually go to at least two, but we got around in 2023. And whereabouts did you travel off to? Oh, my two favorite spots. I went to Dublin, Ireland for the first time, which is a really easy place to get to from Philly. It's a direct flight. And I ended up doing that so I could hop around from there. And I also went to Tangier in Morocco, which was wild. I really enjoyed that one. And coming back to Dublin, did you travel around Dublin? I've been to Dublin. The hospitality in Dublin is like there's nothing to compare it to. Yeah, it's really lovely. It's very easy to get around. The public transit's great. We took a train 20 minutes out of town, out of the city, and we were stand-up paddleboarding in the gigantic harbour. There's big giant seals, and we swam on the 40-foot, which is I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's just kind of a rocky area with ladders and a changing area and you jump in the water but and the water's freezing and everyone around you is really super nice locals. This is just something that they do. It's like almost like an outdoor bathhouse. It's really cool. All right. So let's uh, find out a little bit about your market and what was happening in 2023. And perhaps uh, some of the the suburbs first off in terms of the suburbs that you are pretty entrenched in and represent. So so what are some of those uh, suburbs? Um, Some of the suburbs nearby, there's a large swath of area called the main line. And it's an old school name referring to an old train line that goes through there. But Ardmore, Wayne, Villanova, these areas are Balakinwood. increasing dramatically at a rate of about 5.5% per year. And it's not really a, a suburban flight from the city. It's just time for a lot of people. And because the suburbs are less dense, there's less homes. We also work in just over the river in New Jersey. This part of New Jersey, some people call it South, some people call it Central New Jersey. That area is increasing at 8% a year for 2023. 
Okay, so 2023 had New Jersey up by 8%. What is happening with the the first home buyers in your market? Because I understand that there is plenty of activity and uh, a little bit surprising on just how far up the price point that they are buying. Yeah. Um, so I cut my teeth on first time home buyers, you know, going back 20 years ago. This makes me feel really old, but the average price a first time home buyer would spend is 105000 145000 $175,000. Nowadays, the first time buyers, I guess they're older um, in their 30s rather than in their 20s, but they're spending upwards 350 450 sometimes five and 600 That's a lot of money for a first time home buyer. In Philly, there's um, a first-time homebuyer grant as well, and some there's a few of them. There's a Pennsylvania one as well, and some of them are income-specific, but you can get $10,000 for free, and that's forgiven over 10 years, or you can just get it in general. The Philly First one, that's the one that's more income-limited. And what about, okay, so sort of moving from first-home buyers to investors, what is happening around investors uh, for the, well, I guess we can reflect back over 2023 with regard to investors and what you think might happen in the first quarter of this year for 2024? Well, I sincerely hope that investors are waking up because right now I have quite a few listings. One of them is an eight-unit apartment building, for example, that is qualified, fully underwritten for a 6.75% interest rate. So for the first time in history or since I've been an agent, investor rates are lower. These commercial loan rates are lower than residential home rates. It's crazy. It's a really good time to buy multifamily. And what about in terms of interstates? Like I understand that Philadelphia is definitely attracting interstaters to move in. And what's the sort of reason? What's the, the main rationale for people moving in? The cost of living in Philadelphia is still super low, and we're about an hour and 45 minutes south of New York City by car. You can also get there train and bus. We're about two hours north of Washington, D.C. We're also very close to Baltimore, so it's easy to get to from other major metropolitans that are somewhat, well, not Baltimore, but D.C. and New York are a lot more expensive to live in. Also, Chicago, the West Coast, there are a lot, there are big municipalities um, or metropolitan areas, but it's just more expensive to live there. So the cost of real estate is lower. The cost of food is lower. Sometimes um, benefits you can get to work here are better. Incomes are higher. So people really do want to live here. Okay. So you're, as I mentioned, the principal there. And you've been working in real estate for over 20 years. Marketing is just such a critical part of any principal's uh, day-to-day activity. How has, uh, particularly since COVID, do you think, uh, your marketing sort of changed, particularly in what we saw in 2023 and now we're in 2024, looking in the first quarter for, for those marketing results? 
Well, our messaging is going to have to be different for sure. 2023 was kind of a grab bag. We weren't really sure where people were going to come from, why were they were going to buy, because compared to 2021 and 2022, interest rates were so low. So we were just singing the songs of how to deal with the higher interest rates. They're supposed to drop again in 2024, which is going to be, it's great, but it's also annoying because the minute they drop, everyone's going to spring into action at the same time. So our messaging is, you know, don't wait for the rates to drop because then you're going to end up spending more in competition and acquisitions where you make money. If you get the property at the right price, you don't really have to worry about making a good investment. It's going to be a good investment. So if you end up competing and spending more money in a competition because the rates are lower, that benefit is going to get eaten up because you're going to end up having to pay more because of the competition. So we have to somehow get all this messaging into the marketing, which I have an entire department of people who handle it. But a lot of it has to do with um, SEO, putting the messages out there and then having the web crawlers find that message so that when people are looking for those answers, they can find us. And for those people living outside of uh, Philadelphia, can you give us a little bit of a breakdown on the the median house price and uh, also for the apartment median price? Have you got a ballpark figure? Yeah, for sure. So the median price in Philadelphia is somewhere around 245000 Our average price at my company is $408,000. That's our average sale. Our average rental is uh, $2,600. I think the median rental in the city is $1,800 per month. We do a ton of tenant representation, probably more than any other company in, you know, that's not specifically a property management company in Philadelphia. And what has sort of happened since post-COVID around that median price? Like, can you give us a sense of just the movement in both apartments and houses? Well, the rental market increased dramatically. The cost of renting increased dramatically during the pandemic. And it hasn't, I mean, I guess it's leveled off, but I have a feeling it's going to decrease a bit because there are so many new units coming on the market. There's just a lot of big new buildings, which is lovely to see because we didn't have that variety in Philadelphia. It's a very old city. So you were seeing, you know, row houses that had three units and these three units would be kind of small and old. So for the first time, tenants can pick from brand new buildings that have amenities like virtual golf thingies and some swimming pools and roof decks and things like that that were never available before. And then when you look at how to how to figure out if renting versus owning, you know, which is more advantageous really on a monthly budget basis, that's what we're looking at. Before these rates went skyrocketing, it was a lot cheaper to own in Philadelphia than it was to rent in Philadelphia. But now the multiplier is, you know, we have something on the market in Old City that's really cool. It's a nice one bedroom and it has parking and we've got it listed at $2,600 per month. And if you take the multiplier, what that would be to borrow at 7.125 interest rate, it's only like $275,000 in a mortgage. So that's a little disappointing, but we'll handle it it's still better to own than it is to rent. It's just not a lot cheaper. 
Now, you mentioned that there is some new quality stuff uh, coming online. Of course, you know, not all states around the US have had that. So what's been the reason for developers to get in their break ground and start developing? Why uh, towards the end of 2023 was that happening? I believe it's because a lot of outside um, developers not from the Philadelphia area were just realized how affordable it would be to build in Philadelphia and how there was just a lack of inventory. So um, also zoning suddenly, our zoning process, they suddenly granted permits to build very large buildings in um, new areas that were, they rezoned swaths of areas. They did zoning overlays, which is good if you want to build a brand new four-story plus building with multiple units in a CMX area. But it's bad because they also put swaths of only residential areas over properties that were used and zoned commercially. So things like just standalone garages that exist in areas that are mostly residential, they lost their commercial zoning. Now they're zoned residential. So to use them for business purposes is impossible. So, you know, it's like you take the keystone out of the arch and the whole thing falls down. It's (laughs) Mm -hmm. good for some people, bad for others. And just before I let you go there, Jean, uh, what's been one of the, like as a principal owner and operator, what's been one of the, the tough things, I guess, over the last 12 months, just in terms of the team, you know, keeping the team motivated, keeping them up, keeping their spirits high out in the marketplace in and around Philadelphia? Well, we had a great year in 2023. It was the exact same volume of sales as 2022. So it hasn't been hard to keep the team up because they've been having a much easier time working with people at a normal pace in 2023 versus 2022, where they just were slammed with everyone trying to take advantage of the last few breaths of these low interest rates and having to compete. So They've been doing great doing the volume of business that they're doing at a much more relaxed pace. So I'm hoping that will be the case in 2024, but I have a feeling anytime the feds do a little bit of rate drop, it's going to be just completely hairy. There's going to be a lot of bidding, bidding wars and buyers fighting for the same properties, that kind of thing. Oh, yeah, for sure. We've got the Fed to to really look at closely. Then, Then we've got the 2024 election, so it's going to be a busy year, no doubt about that. Yeah, that always stalls people out historically, having a presidential election. That won't start happening till October, hopefully. And, you know, that's when the fall market and kind of peters out and the winter market comes in. So that's always a weird time anyway. So as soon as the election happens, people will be like, okay, that was meaningless for real estate. Now let's just buy houses. So December, the Decembers of the election years are usually really good Decembers. All right. Well, thank you, Jean Whipple there in Philadelphia for joining us this morning. Good luck for the first quarter. In fact, the first two quarters in the Philadelphia market will definitely get you back and uh, get a bit of an update from you. And enjoy your day in Philadelphia with your Philly homegirls. Thank 
you. It was a pleasure working with you today. While we can't predict the future of the real estate market, we can provide you with insights on what's currently trending. It's powerful information at your fingertips on the U.S. Property Podcast. What are some of the challenges when covering different states in the real estate sector these days? Yes, it is daunting to be selling real estate in four different states. The D.C. and Maryland section of it is pretty simple because they They're very, very protective of the consumer, consumer protection states. It gets a little more tricky when you also have Virginia, which is a buyer beware state. They're all incredibly close proximity, but handled much differently. In DC and Maryland, you can have a residential sales contract that's upwards of 60 pages with all of the consumer protection language and bolded and capitalized text. But conversely, in Virginia, your contract can be 10 pages. From powerful and up-to-date news to professional real estate experts with the latest property trends, know your property with the U.S. Property Podcast.